All right, guys, it's time for our quarterly interview with the Lieutenant Governor, Will Ainsworth. He's coming on to talk about workforce development, school choice, gambling, and a bunch of other things that we're going to be seeing in this legislative session. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast, where we're in pursuit of a free and flourishing Alabama every single week. Got a great episode today with Lieutenant Governor Will Ainsworth. He's coming on, making his quarterly regular appearance to talk about some of the stuff he's doing in workforce development. We've got legislative session coming up. Uh, by the time this publishes, it'll actually be here. And so we're going to talk about some things we'd like to see, some of the things he'd like to see, uh, including uh, ALDOT, school choice, gambling, uh, and prisons. And then the overtime segment, I think, is going to be fire. We're going to be talking about this immigration crisis. We had to send troops down there. You got military-age men pouring over the border by the tens of thousands a day. I call that an invasion where I'm from. That is not immigration. That is invasion. And so we're going to dive into that and how that's affecting Alabama. So you want to make sure that you're signed up uh, as a member so that you can have access to that behind-the-scenes content. Uh, but before we jump in with Will, uh, I want to ask you guys or tell you guys, remind you guys, um, any podcast app that you're listening to this on, some of it's like, some say subscribe, some is a thumbs up, whatever it is, go there, click that button, click the bell to make sure that you're getting notified every single time we publish content so that you're not missing out on anything. And then I want to ask you guys to share it, share it on social media, share it with your friends, send links, whatever, all that stuff uh, to get our message out there as far as possible. Uh, and without further ado, we'll jump right in. Will, thank you so much for making another appearance here on the podcast. Hey, always good to be on. I appreciate your friendship, uh, man. appreciate what 1819's done, how it's grown. And man, I mean, Lord certainly blessed y'all and the growth's been encouraging to watch. And you know, it's great to have a conservative news outlet like 1819 in Alabama. I appreciate it for sure. Amen. Well, thank you very much. So uh, a lot to jump into. Obviously, the session looming is the biggest uh, you know thing on everybody's minds in the political space right now. But that let, takes up three months out of the year. There's a whole nother nine months. And so it's like, OK, well, you have nine months to, to really get after some other things. Workforce development's been something you're extremely passionate about. How's that going? Yeah, I mean, so uh, thanks for letting me talk about it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, my goal on this is for Alabama to be workforce engine of the southeast. And, you know, no matter where I go in the state, um, no matter what county I'm in, no matter what size business, they I continuously hear this. The number one limiting factor to growth is people. You know, they say, Will, if you can help me get more people trained or if you can get more, more people, you know, just trained for whatever job or, you know, whatever it is, right, they just need more workers. Yeah. It's not taxes. It's not, you know, growth opportunity. It's not the market, surprisingly, yeah. but it's just people. And so with that, you know, I, I hope one thing that when I'm out of office one day is that I move the needle on common sense solutions, keyword common yeah. sense. Okay. This stuff is not rocket science on how to get people trained for jobs. Right. And yeah. so I want to kind of just talk to y'all about our plan that we're going to have bills and get past this session. You know, okay. we're going to get it done. I mean, it's going to get done this session. There's going to be a lot of stuff get done this session we're going to talk about. Um, and I think, you know, I said this before, but, you know, it's time to run over some Democrats. Yeah. You know, and it's going to happen and get some stuff done in our state to make sure we plant that conservative flag in the ground. So on the workforce stuff, I think it'll be bipartisan because, yeah. you know, um, I think there's it's just something we need to do, something we should have done 15, 20 years ago, to be honest. Uh, first things, we're going to create a cabinet position um, 
and it's actually going to be consolidating governments. We're not growing government. Yeah. We're actually going to consolidate some different groups, and uh, that'll come out in the bill when it gets drafted. Okay. Don't want to let that out yet. Sure. Um, but the idea is to have one person in the state that knows what's going on in workforce. Right now, we've got community colleges. We have K through 12. We have um, higher ed. We have um, AIDT. We have our workforce development regions, councils. Uh, we have WIOA funds from the federal government. And there's different people that kind of know their silo. Yeah. But we don't have one person in the state that I'm aware of that understands everything going on in yeah. all those silos. So it's almost kind of like an athletic director sure. that's overseeing all the different sports. You know, you got a football coach that's really good at football, yeah. but he might not be good at baseball or soccer or yeah. tennis or golf, right? Well, so we need somebody that understands what's going on. And so that's the first thing we're going to do. Okay. The second thing is we've got to get industry more involved. I mean, one of the things that's frustrating to me is when you have bureaucrats down there that you know don't really have any accountability you know, sometimes they lose sight of what industry needs. And so what I want to get back to is the fact that people that, you know, create jobs are the business owners. Yeah. And so we're going to create a nine-member board. It'll be advisory in nature um, that will, you know, help develop a workforce development plan, will help advise this new um you know, workforce development uh, position, cabinet position we've got on what's going on. But then they're also going to, uh, you know, assess all the different groups, make budget recommendations, but it's going to be industry-based, right? And so yeah. we'll have, you know, different sectors there. You know, it could be construction industry, you know, um, obviously in Alabama, aerospace is big, you know, so we're going to have nine members on that. We think that's huge. Um, develop the workforce development plan. You might be surprised. No, we don't have a plan in Alabama for workforce, for what we're going to do. Now, each group might have their own plan, sure. but as a state, we don't have a comprehensive plan. So we're going to do that. And then the thing, probably one of the things I'm most excited about is we're going to create a new diploma called a workforce pathway diploma. And what happened is back in the 90s, um, when I was in high school, workforce development crashed in Alabama. And so I kind of wanted to find out why. And um, when I'm saying it crashed, it's more in high schools, we failed. And what happened is they changed everything for people getting ready for college yeah. instead of getting ready for a job. Yeah. And there was this mindset about how are you doing your ACT? Where are you sure. going to college? You got to go to college to be successful. Yeah. We really got it wrong. I mean, it's yeah. unfortunate. We got it wrong as a state. All right, so what else did we do during that time? Well, we said, okay, if you're going to a career tech school in the 90s, now we're going to add, you had to have three maths and three sciences to graduate high school. Well, then we changed that to where you got to have four math and four sciences. So instead of that person going to a trade school, learning a trade, they were sitting in the classroom taking algebra two that probably wasn't going to help them yeah. be a plumber, a welder, a brick yeah. mason, you know, whatever it is, sure. right? And so we got it wrong because we were so focused on being college ready instead of career ready. This new diploma is going to allow them to have less time in the classroom, more focused on learning a skill or trade. It's going to be a game changer for Alabama. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think for industry, for people out there that have companies, you know, we're going to get people trained for you and do it in high school. No, it's such a mutually beneficial thing because not only are the business owners going to now have competent, capable people that can work for them, the the people that need, you know, like when you have a career, uh, you want to talk about, you know, giving someone a good path in life. They get out of that, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. You can make a lot of dumb decisions at that point. Ask me how I know. Uh, but all of a sudden, if you have a career and a career path and it's not the college one, because let's face it, most boys can't stand being in a classroom, but you let them get their hand on an engine or, you know, like you said, HVAC or plumbing or something like this, 
and they fall in love with it. And then all of a sudden they begin to, you know, make money and, and, and they have this desire inside of them to be a provider and a protector and get married and have a family. And then all of a sudden you're solving all kinds of problems when you're teaching people, you know, how to have a career versus, you know, college readiness, like oh, you're yeah. saying. No, and I mean, so, you're exactly right. I mean, there's a saying that we used to use in youth ministry when it, you know, applied to discipleship, right? And it's the same thing that applies to workforce development. When I hear, I forget. When I see, I remember. When I do, I understand. Yeah. And so when you actually do the job, right, you know, let's take a plumber, right? We could learn in theory on how to do everything, but I want them to learn to put together pipes, right? Yeah. And actually, is it leaking or not, you know? Yeah. And But when you do those jobs, you can learn. Same thing how Germany built their whole economy on apprenticeships, yeah. right? Which is another thing that we need to throw in yeah. that category. We need we have an office of apprenticeship. Yeah. You know, we can do a lot better job there. Yeah. But we really need to start. And so, anyway, that's kind of a, you yeah. know, there's going to be a whole list of bills. We're also um, going to have some tax credits um, for um, basically a child care tax credit that's going to be good. We're going to yeah. have an affordable ho- um, housing tax credit to where this is a Reagan program. You'll love this. So this program was developed under Reagan as a way to get people off the benefits cliff and yeah. get off just government dependence. And actually, so in order to qualify for this um, housing, you have to have a job. Yeah. And like it starts off at like minimum wage up to maybe like $25, $26 an hour. If you're in that range, you qualify for this housing. Where no- normally the housing would be, excuse me, $1,500, $2,000 a month. It's five hundred a month, so it's so whoever builds it gets the tax credit yeah. on this multifamily. But the uh, the wonderful thing about this and the wisdom behind it is we're getting people off government dependence. Now they're getting a job, and yeah. you know they're providing for themselves. So it's a great program with that. Um, you know, and that was a Reagan program sure. back when he was president. So yeah, that's good. <clears throat> so that's some of the things we're working on there. Yeah. Also, there's a military component to help veterans. Um, you know, make sure they get back in the workforce and uh, also like how can we help them get trained yeah. and um, have, you know, uh, different um, programs for them as well. Sure. No, it was weird. I literally had a conversation earlier today uh, with somebody. We were talking about that college readiness mindset. It's so, like my dad, I think is 69 when he, he worked at Cessna and when he was at Cessna, there was jobs he couldn't get because he didn't have a college degree. Right. Yeah. It was, it was so like bureaucratic in these corporations right. and stuff like, Oh no, you have to have a degree for that. And then I think the businesses realized, well, actually just cause he has a degree doesn't mean he's the best person for the job. And then they started, yeah. that's not the case anymore as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I want the guy who does the job best. I don't care where he went to school. I don't care. You know, you know, you can get a good education at a university, but it doesn't mean that anymore because now everyone has basket weaving degrees and everything else. Right. And so it really, um, you know, it, it, it shifted, and now the course correction, I think, is is coming back because there 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 aren't enough plumbers. There's not enough, you know, people that are working in the trades, and it's a huge opportunity for people to make a lot of money. So I think yeah. this is good. No, it's going to be good. And our goal is simple. We just uh, no matter where you live in Alabama, we want to give you an option to get trained in a trade in high school. Yeah, right. And it could be dual enrollment with community colleges, but. And the idea is that because we've got close to fifty percent of our students end up not getting a two or four year degree but yet everything was geared towards college. So to me, it's just so common sense. Okay, if they're not going to college, why in the world are we focused on the educational side? How about we teach them something that they can go make a living? Yeah. All right, well, that covers workforce development. Um, So now, you know, ALDOT, you're kind of the face of the ALDOT fight, the US 43 versus 65 widening. Uh, This is my third time in Birmingham coming from Montgomery today. And buddy, I think of you every time I come to a a stop when the speed limit's, you know, 75 or 70 or whatever it is. And I'm sitting there going zero. I think like, I hope, 
but Will gets us through. Um, and so, um, you know, with that, should the legislature take a more active role in LDOT? So under the current environment with John Cooper, you know, um, should the legislature mandate highway improvement priorities? Do you think that's a good idea, bad idea? Yeah, I mean, I, so I think right now I'm extremely frustrated with, you know, what's going on with LDOT, John Cooper, the priorities. I mean, yeah. I've talked about before, you know, the fiscal standpoint they're going to put us in. And so yeah. I think, you know, our job is to appropriate funds. And yeah. I think certainly, you know, using the purse yeah. to make sure we get his attention is yeah. something we can do because um, even though there's, you know, um, constitutional amendments have been passed where money yeah. goes, but, um, you know, so he's going to say, oh, I don't need your approval. I'm going to get it anyway. He right? has that. That's kind of his behavior pattern. <laughs> oh, no doubt. I mean, you know, it's certainly, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like the goal of infrastructure should be to help grow Alabama. And, you know, you mentioned 65, right? Yeah. To me, that is just common sense. I mean, that is our main corridor. It's our that should have been done ten or fifteen years ago, and it's just negligence on the part of Aldot, right? Yeah. And then you look at some of the projects they're doing, not just forty three, but some other things that they're just totally not a waste of money, but there's just higher priorities other places. And so, to me, I think you know there's there's got to be some changes there, yeah, because what we're doing is not working. So, uh, obviously, the biggest thing, wh whether it's for the last three years, the national wins, and then the fact that it sounds like we're actually getting on board with it here in Alabama uh, through the work of a ton of people, uh, including you, uh, last year, really uh, leaning heavily into the school choice conversation. Um, and, you know, we didn't see a lot of movement on it last year, the year before, despite some bills and stuff getting put forward. Uh, you came out and pushed uh, very, very strongly for it. And, um, I think when you, you just begin to see kind of the decay of the public education apparatus, the AEA's involvement in the Republican, you know, candidates, uh, and then you start to see all these other alternatives, um, it, it just becomes apparent, okay, we need to do things differently. And so school choice is, uh, is definitely to me, and, and maybe I'm biased, you got gambling and school choice, right? Seem to be the big things that, that people are talking about. What is a reasonable expectation of school choice in the 2024 legislative session? Yeah, so good question. I mean, I can tell you what I'm going to push for. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that we, I mean, you know, Governor Ivey said she wants the strongest school choice legislation in the country. Yeah. So I'm going to hold her to it. Yeah. Right. And uh, I too. appreciate her leadership <laughs> yeah. and, you know, appreciate yeah. the fact that she wants to do that. So with that, um, you know, I think what does that look like? I think... If we want to have the strongest, you know, school choice legislation in the country, then that means that we're going to give, we're going to empower parents yeah. to be able to decide what's best for their child and uh, that they can decide which school is best, public school, private school, homeschool, you know, whatever it is, right? And yeah. then um, you can decide what's best for your child and we need it. I want to tell you about a trip because um, this is something I've been on since last time I was here. Yeah, I'm part of a uh, Hunt Keen Fellows. It's a... Uh, a Republican and Democrat, two former governors started it, right? And yeah. it's all education-focused. And so I'm part of this and just to learn about education issues. And so I went up to Washington, D.C., right? Not a place I really like to go, all right? <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was there. It's where our conference was. Um, and we got to tour um, some charter schools there, yeah. right? And for so long in Alabama, charter schools was a bad word, right? Yeah. Teachers Union thought it was terrible. Yeah. And, you know, it's not. It's great. And so go up there to a school. It's 98% minority, 18% homeless, okay? Yeah. And this school was amazing what they were doing. It was a charter school. And get this. 
In Washington, D.C. now, 48% of their schools are charter schools. Okay. Yeah. 52% are, you know, traditional public. They shut down in Washington, D.C., failing, you know, public schools, converted them to charters, and now they're vibrant. I mean, I saw these kids. It's amazing what they're doing. They're disciplined. Yeah. Okay. Their parents have to volunteer 40 hours a year in the school, each yeah. parent. Okay. Um, they provide the kids with clothes if they're homeless. They send a meal home with them. But I mean, they are making a difference in kids' lives by giving parents school choice in Washington, yeah. D.C. So, what has that done to a town like Washington, D.C.? Now people are moving back into D.C., where before they were leaving. Yeah. And my gosh, if they can fix schools in D.C., we got to tell the teachers union to get out of the way in Alabama. It's time for change. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, it's so frustrating to me to see a place like that, right, um, yeah. have success by offering choice. Yeah. But yet we are so far behind in Alabama on that. So yeah. we need it. It's past time. Look, and there's certain parts of our state that have tremendous public schools, yeah. and we want strong public schools. But you know the lesson I learned in D.C.? I want every listener out there to hear this. The superintendents, and I guarantee you they were not Republicans, okay? Yeah. They said the competition lifted all the schools yeah, up. All boats rise That is the beauty yep. of having choice and letting parents decide because now – Every school out there is going to have to perform and fight for that student instead of just get them because of the zip code. Yeah. Amen. I mean, so I'm going to fight for what's right on that. Um, there's several different bills out there. Um, but my goal is for every parent, and it'll have to be phased in. Yeah. I mean, I don't want people to be disappointed. It will yeah. have to be phased in because of sure. budget constraints. Yeah. You know, we just don't have enough money. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I want to get it phased in to where hopefully whatever timeline, you know, we have to phase it in that everybody in Alabama – We'll have school choice. And, man, that'll be a win, and it will be part of the solution. It's not going to solve everything. But, you know, it'll yeah. solve 10 15% of our yeah. problem, and that's a big well, deal. Yeah, and, um, and and that'll make a huge difference where we are. And it's not a charter school, but as you were talking about that school in D.C., we just recently went over here to Cornerstone right down the road. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been over I'm there. Not. It's one of the most incredible things. It's not a charter school. It's a private school. But if we did ESAs, they would benefit hugely. I'm telling you, it's one of the most amazing things I've seen in the state of Alabama I spent two, two and a half hours uh, with Nita Carr and Drayton Neighbors over there. And it will, I mean, it's just, you know, they've got an elementary school, a middle school, a high school. They, I mean, they've got all kinds of stuff. Um, the numbers, it's just, it's amazing. And again, so you can see it can be done in these neighborhoods, but it's taken people doing it differently than the public schools do it. And if you open that up for the funds to follow their children to a place like that, imagine how much more flourishing could go on. Right. So, yeah. Hey, Amen. Um, I'm yeah, with you. Absolutely. All right. So uh, the other big buzz um, is gambling, right? So that's every year at this time, there's yeah. a big gambling conversation. Thus far, it's uh, made no progress. So should gambling be on the November ballot? If so, what do you say about a gambling constitutional amendment on the ballot driving up Democrat turnout in Alabama, too, with a competitive congressional general election on the ballot? What do you think about all that? As a yeah, lawyer? I mean, so I really haven't had many... I'm trying to think maybe one conversation, you know, yeah. I'm not hearing that much about gambling. Yeah. I'm really not. I mean, you know, and so, I mean, we're focused on workforce. We're focused on school choice. We're focused on, you know, budgets. But I mean, I can tell you at least from the Senate perspective yeah. and, you know, upstairs, like there's not any conversations going on with gambling. And I think to your point about November, yeah. right. I mean, if we have a gambling initiative on the ballot, right. I mean, no doubt it's going to hurt Republicans. Yeah. 
I mean, I believe that for sure. Yeah, and you uh, think about you know, as far as just like your county commission races, you know, I think in the which is it congressional district two? Is that yeah, the, the um, you know that one? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so that could potentially you know hurt a Republican there by driving out turnouts on the Democrat side. Yeah. Um, you know, you do got. I believe you're gonna have Trump on the other side, which is gonna yeah. drive out Republicans. Yeah. Um, but. You know, my position on gambling, you know, has I'm not I don't think it's gonna solve our problems in Alabama. Yeah. You know, I, I'd rather just build an economy based on good paying jobs, you know, twenty first sure. century jobs. Um, you know, I've had a position on the lottery, let people vote if they wanted to, but yeah. I mean, again, and you know, I I bought a lottery ticket in another state. I don't go yeah. buy it, you know, now, but I yeah. have before. Um, but I'm not I, I just haven't heard much chatter on it. Yeah. I mean, so that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, so it's really not. And I know, always tell everybody because they're, you know, I hear it all just constantly, you know, oh my gosh, oh my God. It's like, man, so I've been in this for three years now. This will be my third session where I've been hyper focused on what's going on in Montgomery. Um, and every time, right before the session, there's this huge conversation about gambling and, you know, da 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 da. And so the way I kind of see it is that, you know, they aren't incentivized to all come together and push something through because they're all making a ton of money right now illegally. Right. Right. right now they're just they're just rolling in money right now and it's like okay well make it legal don't i'm just gonna sit here and swim yeah. my money like duck mcscrooge uh yeah. from that cartoon we watched when we were kids so they have no incentive you know now if um you know the governor or whoever's responsible to go and start you know shutting these things down um then at that point you know they might be like uh we need to figure out a solution and then then there really would be a threat but as it stands right now i don't think um, the Indians need to get on. It's terrible. Call them the Cowboys and the Indians, the Indians and the guys that aren't, but they're not all going to get on the same page and push for the, you know, some type of, you know, legislation that benefits all of them, uh, because right now they don't have to. And right. so if that ends, then I think you, you do see a, a concentrated effort where they do, but it, and it's, it, you know, there's so much other crazy stuff too. Cause you know, the big push that you hear a lot of guys, I know friends, I know they're like, well, just let the people vote, let the people let, you know, said, yeah, no, I get, let the people vote. But for the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, you know, the gambling people have been pushing because they want lottery because lottery is going to be tied to casino gambling, right? Mm -hmm. If they pass lottery, then that's going to come with casino gambling. I don't think we'll ever see lottery separate from casino gambling right? because that's their nose under the tent of the, you know, the camel nose under the tent is lottery. And once you get that, you get all of it. So they're not going to let it be separated, I don't think. But so the gambling people that want casinos pump out all kinds of commercials that hit all these people with Becky in Tennessee got to go to college because of lottery tickets, right. you know, and they're just getting hammered with this stuff for, you know, decades of lottery tickets and college. And, you know, we need to do this. And and then so when they go in to vote, it's, it's not based off of an actual how they really feel. It's almost like they've been propagandized. But anyway, I could ramble on about this stuff. Uh that's why I have a podcast. Yeah, so I can do this from time to time. Nah, and you're right. I mean, there's different camps. You've got the lottery people, right? And I think yeah. if that was on the ballot, I mean, everything I've seen, I think would pass overwhelmingly. Yeah. Um, but you know, that won't just get on the ballot. Yeah. Okay. Then so you got that crowd, right? Yeah. Then you got the anti-gambling crowd that doesn't want anything. Yeah. Right. And then you've got kind of like the casino crowd, and you, that's even divided into you know the yeah. Indians and you know uh, the dog tracks, right? Yeah. yeah. And so. You know, to get all those people on the same page and to get a bill they're going to agree with is about impossible. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just because. uh, So I don't know. But I'm just telling you, I haven't had, (laughs) excuse me, I mean, many conversations at all, like maybe one or two, but it was just very high level stuff. So I don't know. I just, you know, 
we'll see what happens. But sure. I mean, right now in the Senate, we're not focused on it. Okay. Well, there you go. And, and yeah. uh, it turns out I think they need the Senate to pass a bill. So that's, you know, yeah. that's good to hear. All right. Um, well, I don't want to burn through this podcast too terribly fast, but it looks like we might. And it'll just leave us more time in the overtime yeah. uh, to talk about uh, the crazy uh, immigration stuff. So there's not been a lot of talk about prisons, but obviously the problem is still looming. Are you concerned that the next governor will inherit the prison problem and possible costly Department of Justice prison system takeover? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, prison problems a real issue. I mean, in Alabama, you look at it, um, you know, um, we're obviously building new facilities, but that's just part of the lawsuit, right? It's conditions. And uh, so, I mean, I think certainly, you know, whoever's next governor, you know, it's going to continue to be an issue. And, um, you know, we just got to solve that. I mean, I think when you look at it, um, just kicking the can down the roads, not a good solution. Yeah. And uh, I think, um, you know, we've tried to solve it and we've tried to move the needle on some things, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens on that. But, and I think there's been some things that have been addressed with at least, you know, starting the new facilities, but my gosh, it's expensive. And what we're spending. I mean, yeah, you know, well, when there's my, no when there's no price tag, things get expensive. Yeah, right? it's and, a terrible contracting deal. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and so for me, that's been the frustrating part. It's just the cost, right? And um, you know, I'm in the construction business, and yeah. you know, outside of lieutenant governor, I mean, we don't build yeah. commercial stuff, but I know what cost you know stuff yeah. costs to build, and I just feel like that could have been done we're a lot more hand. reasonable. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's crazy, and I didn't follow it super closely as it was all kind of coming about. And like I've I've been to a core civic prison, was in one, yeah. right? So like I'm yeah. familiar, right? Yeah, could probably speak more plainly about that situation than 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 most people in Alabama um, that that could speak into this. I've even thought it's like, geez, man, if whoever comes along and does actually want to take that on, I would love to have a consulting role and say, hey. Let me tell you something about how prisons could work versus how they do work. And in Colorado, for everything they do wrong, which is a ton, okay, uh, a lot, their prison system runs like a machine, right? And they have incentivized time. So what I mean by this, Brian was sentenced to 16 years in prison. At eight years on that 16-year sentence, I was eligible for parole. On a nonviolent crime, 19 months prior to parole eligibility, I was eligible for a halfway house. Then you get earned time on that. And so at five years, two months, I was eligible to put in for a halfway house. So what does that mean? That means that Brian wants to do good because Brian could pull every day of the 16 year sentence. And then I'm going to have a mandatory parole. that's three years. Okay. So Brian did really good. Brian was not incentivized to be an idiot. Now, if Brian was going to do 16 years, no matter what, whether you're shooting dice and doing drugs and on cell phones and, and doing God knows what 16 years or you're reading your Bible every day and being an obedient inmate, 16 years, it's all the same, right? You're going to get the same with then, then you're, you're actually incentivizing people to, to yeah, be the way that they are, point. the overcrowding, you know, how many cell phones I saw the entire time I was in prison, five years, two months, not a single cell phone in the Colorado prison system that I saw. Wow. Right. And so again, I am not advocating Colorado much of anything. Yeah. Right? I definitely, you know, um, but that is the one thing that I did see is that, wow, they're doing something right when it comes to, to this and also mandatory term of parole, uh, I think can be beneficial as well. Vocational training in there. I took computer information systems, printing technologies, uh, graphic design. I mean, there was welding classes, there was culinary arts classes, there was all this type of classes. And then you can work with that with companies out here that need welders. You talk about workforce development. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit unorthodox, uh, workforce development, but it's still there oh, yeah. and the workers are needed. And so 
on and on and on and on it goes that that could be happening um you know and it's not it's just turned into a, a human warehouse where you know it's bad the alabama system is bad it's really yeah bad. and so no, I'd love to talk to you. I mean, yeah. you know, more detail sometime about, you know, just kind of your experience, you know, and not only that, but also, you know, recommendations you've got. I mean, yeah. that's something I've not spent a lot of time in sure. just because the governor's office handles that. Yeah. Uh, we haven't been that engaged, but I can tell you this, we certainly can do a lot better as a state. Yeah. Would love to learn from you on kind of just, you know, what you've seen, what works, what doesn't work. Um, yeah. You know, part of our workforce program, you mentioned that, is uh, talked to Director Ward the other day. Yeah. He's Director of Pardons and Paroles. and. Yeah. You know, there is a current plan already where we're trying to make sure we get, um, you know, because I think the best way to make sure somebody doesn't end up back in jail right, is to get them a job. Sure. Provide for themselves. Give them hope. Right. I mean, um, obviously, ultimately, you know, that person become a believer is the best thing. Yeah. You know, but I'm saying outside of that, you still got to provide for your family and all that. And so we're going to continue to find out, are there other ways potentially we can do more programs? Sure. And so we're looking at that too. Yeah. Um, he, and, and, he and I had that conversation and I'm going to bring him on the podcast to, yeah, perfect. to, to talk oh, about He actually reached so, out yeah. to me the other day and said yeah. he's got some other ideas. And so, look, I'm, I'm not an expert on prisons. Yeah. I'm not, right? Yeah. I'm not an expert on, you Unfortunately, know, I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, but I'm just saying... Um, so, I mean, you know, I think, but to find out, you know, what we can do, you know, man, I'm all ears, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, my main thing on that is we just got to solve the problem. Sure. And uh, I am interested in that. Yeah. And the thing is, is if you have a problem-solving mentality and you see, okay, problem, what can we do to solve it? Things are going to get done. A lot of people, for whatever reason, they get elected to office. They're there to benefit themselves or their own for their personal gain, gratification, their buddies, people that helped them. Like, there's all this that's going on rather than being like, problem, solve it. Problem, right. solve it. Pro- like, right. but it's not. It's like, well, we got to do this favor, and we got to make sure this person. And it's like, man. Um, so it's refreshing to 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 hear you say that. And well, that's my favorite part of my job: solving yeah. problems, helping people. You know, that's so rewarding. Yeah. Right. I mean, and if I ever lose that, I need to get out of office. Right. I mean, Absolutely. that's like to me what it's about, and it's a huge sacrifice. I mean, yeah. time away from family, time away from business, things you miss. Yeah. I mean, so like. If I'm not solving problems for Alabama, if I'm not moving the needle to make us one of the best states in the country, if I'm not fighting for our conservative values, yeah. you know, I don't need to be in office, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody does. I mean, you know, I mean, but let's let's move the needle. Let's you got one life to make a difference. Let's do it. And that to me is what I enjoy. That's what I'm passionate about. I love like the solving problem side. Yeah. Like that's fun. Absolutely. Well, good yeah. stuff. All right. Well, you got any any other things you want to wrap up with or any last thoughts or things people need to be thinking about? Yeah, or? I mean, I think uh, just kind of a little inside baseball here. And I mean, maybe we'll talk about this on the next segment. But I think the first few weeks of session, you know, we're going to be aggressive as Republicans and tackle some of these issues, you know, that we need to tackle ballot harvesting. Yeah. You know, we're going to do that. I think pushing back on these crazy woke libraries. I mean, how in the world? We've decided that it's okay for kids to have porn books in the libraries is insane. Yeah. I want to say that insane. Okay. Like (laughs) that's not okay. No. I mean like no parent I know anywhere thinks that's something we should do. Yeah. And the fact that we're, I mean like they need to be hammered on that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, you know, you just look at all. And so I think you're going to see a pushback on some of these things. We're going to make sure our elections are secure. You know, we don't want anything else, you know, and yeah. um, then we're going to push back on some of this woke stuff. And I think you're going to see the Senate come out of the gate strong and yeah. lead on a lot of these issues. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's be encouraging. Fun. Yeah, I'm excited. And I, I definitely feel that momentum, too. There's a lot of things that have been kind of dangling out there that have needed to be done. And it sounds like a lot of them are getting um, 
kind of the wind in their sails that they need to, to hopefully yeah. get across the finish line. I think uh, public health, uh, I mean, I could go on and on yeah. on these, but I think, you know, trying to dial that back in, I mean, you know, we learned a lesson. Nobody really thought about it. I mean, it wasn't on my radar screen yeah. about public health officer. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we really got to look at that. I mean, that person needs to be accountable to, you know, an elected official because yeah. he's not elected. Correct. You know, it needs to be appointed by the governor, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just things like that. But we're going to try to knock these issues out and tackle them, pass them, send them to the House, get them done, get them to the governor and let her sign them. Man. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, that was another one I should have probably put on there was that public health officer, but you nailed it. Well, good stuff. All right. Yeah. Willingsworth, thank you for your time. Always glad to be on, man. Awesome. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for our regular segment. But as you know, we've got an overtime segment for those of you who have signed up to become members. And if you haven't done that, go to the website right now, 1819news.com. There's a button at the top that says become a member. Click it. Membership start as little as $5 a month. You can obviously give more. Hope that you do. Um, But with that, you're going to have access to behind the scenes content like the overtime segments we do on the podcast. Uh, where today we're going to be talking about the migrant crisis that we have going on at the border, the fact that Alabama is sending troops down uh, because the federal government's preventing Texas from uh, protecting their own borders. It's absolute insanity up there with like having a manufactured virus that was released that killed tens of millions of people uh, and, you know, the election and all these crazy things that are going on. We're going to dig in and take a look uh, at that. And then you'll also get cool merch like hats. We have the we have the best hats. If Trump was to say it, greatest hats uh, and all kinds of other things if you sign up to become a member. So please go do that. And until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. <laughs>